so I'm sat on a narrow boat <laughs> with Becky and Marcus from Rivernets. Uh, thank you for letting me come and interview you. You're, You're very welcome. As the crow flies, I reckon we're about a mile and a half from my house. <laughs> and I met you guys for the first time at Yarndale, which has just been this weekend. Yeah. And was kind of gobsmacked and in awe of the yarns that you had. And then when I saw that you were local, well, currently local to where I was, you very kindly agreed to be interviewed as well. <laughs> it was quite so. funny seeing your face. Because <laughs> people say, where are you based? And I, I usually give a vague answer, partly for privacy, but also because it's often little villages and places yeah. that people don't really know. And we said Wheelock and you went, what? <laughs> yeah. well, usually when I have to see where I live, so I live in a little, tiny little village called Winterley, and Wheelock is even smaller than Winterley, and usually I have to say Sandbach, and then if somebody doesn't know that, I just go, oh, it's south of Manchester. Oh, okay, so yeah, you, know, I have yeah. to go, you have to go bigger and bigger and bigger for people to understand where yeah. you come from. So to hear Wheelock, when I was in Yorkshire, was a, it was a little odd, I was a bit yeah. Yeah. That's disconcerted cool. by that. <laughs> <laughs> but one of the other reasons I wanted to interview you was because your yarn is just, it's beautiful, it's, it's really striking, but not in a heavy rainbow, very primary colour way. It's actually just really nicely developed and beautiful layers of colour under it. Could you, could you show us some of your, your yarn? Um, I should explain, we also have Marcus and Becky's son, Bryn, here, who's 20 months old. He's currently sat on his chair on the, on the boat um, eating pork pie, quite happy. But you might hear him in the background. He's he's very engaged and very interested in what's going on in the process. Yeah. I mean, here are some of the solid colours that we've got, which are based along the same lines. Um, these ones on the big skeins, we've the colourways are actually named after places on the waterways that we've been to and places that we remember. Yeah. So quite very close from here. This one is Hare Castle, which is. Um, quite a long tunnel but it's very narrow and has really um, low ceiling as well yeah. and they actually shut the door behind you as very you go eerie in. It's when very you go spooky. through it yeah spooky it's kind of um i would call it a dirty gold color it's quite lustrous yeah. because that's our lace weight so there's silk in there as well yes it's beautiful so it's blue face lustre and silk that one so I would say that your colours are very, um, as we discussed earlier, very earthy tones, but there are jewel tones in there. But there's, they're really subtly bold. If that, I mean, some that people will understand what that means. Yeah. They're bright colours, but they're not burning your your retina bright. They are beautiful. And that's always been the aim because I really love, I really love bright colours. Yeah. Um, but I wanted to create yarns that people could wear. Um, being a redhead, I can't wear neon sort of primary yeah. clashing sort of colours. And when I see them on a display, the colours, they, they make me very happy, but then I'm less likely to knit with them. Yeah. And the other thing that struck me across your range is that everything goes. You could pair up most things with most of your yarns and have a really beautiful pattern. Yeah, that was definitely another aim as well, was um, creating, there's so many designers out there mixing and matching yeah. yarns now, yeah. and I want people to be able to select, you know, yarns that all work well together from yeah. from what we have and lots of people did that at Yarndale this weekend it was really lovely Your to see was very busy it was, <laughs> it was lovely to see you both there yeah. and, and to see the reaction that people had to your stuff and you're very much um a jewel it's a dying jewel it's it's the peer review that are in this process it's not yeah. it's because quite often the dyers are female I know there are male dyers out there but it, yeah. is, it does tend to be a more female vocation but you are a dying jewel yeah. What do you, right. what, what's your, like, how do you divide your labour? Because you're obviously on a boat which has its own constraints when it comes yeah. to dying. It's not a massive amount of space. So do you have a natural dance and rhythm that you do when you're on dye days? Yeah, we do, don't we? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's a kind of, I mean, I do most of the dyeing. I do... I do all of the development work certainly and then um, and Marcus can follow my 
recipes so he has done some of the dyeing people will have bought yarn this weekend that marker that you've dyed yeah um, you won't be able to tell the difference between his and mine um, generally uh, generally it's me dyeing and I do it in the kitchen um, but because we're in a narrow boat I mean it's basically the width of a corridor yeah. you've seen it it's probably my so Sorry, for those that are watching, I, I am over here and it's probably just below my wingspan. Yeah, it's six foot basically internal width. Yeah. So, and our cabinets in the kitchen are two foot wide, so you've got two foot a two foot walkway in the middle. Yeah. And um, so if I'm in there and Marcus wants something from the bedroom, <laughs> he has to say, I need to get and there can be a lot of being very patient with each other yeah. or not as the case may be um, because I might be in the middle of handling some hot wet yarn yeah. and he needs to get something from the bedroom and he has to say excuse me yeah and hot wet yarn if you've never dyed before it is exactly as it sounds it's hot and wet and extremely painful if you burn yourself and yeah. it's, it's not fun so yeah. Like, yeah and it's delicate in that state mm. in that state as well yeah, it's easy yeah. to agitate and felt it at that point. Yeah. Yeah. So you can interchange with your, your jobs on the yarn dyeing? Yes. Yeah, for the most part. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, well, he's German, so he'll <laughs> follow instructions. We, <laughs> we talked about this. You both come from kind of engineering backgrounds and That's you both right. have, therefore, precision is part of what you do. So yeah. yarn dyeing you know, it requires precision. I know some sometimes it looks like it's a bit of this and a bit of that, and I'm sure it is for some yarn dyers, but that's mm. not the case for you. For no, um, I very much come from a science engineering background. Um, I've worked in manufacturing environments for many, many years. Um, and yes, yeah, so I've designed manufacturing processes. I've had jobs where I've had to write them, like like Haynes manuals, but yeah. for people working in a in a factory building engines. Um, I've done design, which is obviously very scientific, um, and that's about understanding how materials react, um, their own properties, and how their properties, uh, you know, interact with other things. And I've worked in quality, so I understand. Um, the need for consistency and repeatability, yeah. all and of those, things all of those things, to have as a basis for your and I. Absolutely. If you want to do it on a on a professional level, yeah. have people come back as repeat customers time and time again. Yeah. Yeah. And I have to say, <laughs> I I started playing with your yarn. I got my hands on some on Saturday, and then I was gifted more. So the lovely. Uh, lady that I was with on Sunday I'd driven us to Yarndale and she bought me some of your yarn as a thank you because she knew that that was a really safe bet so I'm, I'm going to show you what okay. I started and clearly this is a crochet podcast have you seen much crochet done with your yarn? Mm, I've seen a little and it was really interesting because I can crochet but I'm primarily a knitter, a knitter yeah. so it's really interesting to see how the colours worked out in a crochet project. Yeah. I was pleasantly surprised. So, so mine's a bit weird because it's attached to lots of bags because it's like quite a lot of colour work. So this is a new kill that I'm designing up and it's going to be called Barley and I'm only a few rows in so I'm going to try and not rustle too much. But I chose five, well actually you helped me to choose, you and your friend knew helped me to choose five um, mini skeins and the yeah. stoke, which seems apt because um, we're not very far from stoke. No. There you go. Oh wow. You can have a look. <laughs> so it's going to be called barley because eventually it will look like ears of um, barley does. coming up. It already yeah. does. That's and really that's lovely. with two different bases and the colours just work so well and it's mm. beautiful to work with. And one of the things I really liked about it was you don't have nylon in your no. yarn. No, you, we don't need nylon. It's sock weight um, but it's blue face Leicester and that's a long staple fibre and it's a tougher fibre yeah. than you know the merino nylon sock yarn that you see. It's, um, it's unnecessary when you're using blue face Leicester. 
and you know this because you've got a pair on your feet as well. So it's tried and tested. You know, this is your own yarn that yeah. you've got on your own feet. There we are. <laughs> and, and she's flexible. <laughs> I'm a little too flexible, actually. <laughs> there we go. Yeah, this is my um, Indian giant squirrel colorway. And what I. What a great name. I had a really interesting story behind that. Um, somebody on a Facebook group posted a picture of an Indian giant squirrel. Never heard of it. I'd before. never heard of it bef before either and I have to say I had to google it afterwards to check it wasn't a photoshopped uh, image because it real was thing. so striking. So, I, I so will striking. insert, I will find something and I will I'll send it to you picture. afterwards, I'll Please send do. you the picture. And somebody said, I would love yarn based on those colours. Yeah. And I thought, yeah, why not? I'll, I'll give it a go. And um, yeah, so I came up with this. And uh, I think this has been our top of the pops at Yarndale, this colourway. It's beautiful. Yeah. That if so, you, yeah, I'm, like, I'm on a yarn ban. Yeah. I'm not meant to be buying yarn throughout the whole of 2017, <gasps> unless it's for designs. Okay. Which can be a bit of a get around. But, oh no, I can definitely design something in that. And I think, uh, what was it, Indian? Indian giant squirrel. I think I might have to design something in Indian giant squirrel. <laughs> it's beautiful. But the point really is that your stuff is tried and tested. You work with your own yarn and you know it inside out and you work closely with your supplier so you know exactly what it is that you're buying as well. Yeah. Um, but yeah. also you've developed some of your own, some of your own. Our own yarn. Yeah. exciting. So I'll take well, that I'll back and back. I, will, I will send I'm you photos gonna have a of my in. finished project. I can't wait. When you hear people, they've got favourite dyers that they just, they gravitate towards because they get their colours and the ethos of the brand works as well. Yeah. And you're, like, I have natural ones. I, when I went to Yarndale, I put up on Instagram saying, oh, Guess you know. Guess where my first stop yarn is, and my feed was just filled up with John Arvin, John Arvin, John Arvin, John Arvin. <laughs> because people who um, watch and listen to the podcast know that I really love John and Juliet and what they do in their colour palette, and um, the fact that they have good control over where their yarn comes from and how it's sourced, and yeah. that it's actually spun in the UK as well. Um, and what I don't really have is somebody who is a hand dyer that I would go to that is my colour palette those earthy autumnal tones mm. that has the provenance behind it as well yeah. and and now I do that's <laughs> that's how I feel about your about what you guys do about what you and Marcus do, it's really beautiful um, I'm, I'm now holding Indian Giant Squirrel and yeah I have to, definitely have to do a design in this, it's just incredible I will take some photos and I'll put them in the show notes as well colours are amazing. I can't even imagine what this beast looks like. I mean, if it imagine. looks like those colours, I'm intrigued to see this, yeah. this gorgeous I mean, obviously thing. I've picked out the colours that stood out to me, but um, I was really pleased with how it came I'm popping it to my left so Becky can't take it back. <laughs> and guess what? It's got mustard in there as well. So, oh yeah, you know, there's a lot days. of mustard in there. I love a good I'm mustard. I'm a mustard fan. I love it. Well, that means you'll like this as I do. well. Yeah, that's gorgeous. So, um, talking about provenance, um, one of the things that I'm really, really passionate about is British wool. Um, we have 70 plus native yeah. breeds of sheep in the UK and all they all have their different fleece and their different qualities and I really think we should be using it more. Yeah, yeah it's one of the things that um, regular listeners and viewers of the podcast will know that I'm also passionate about. I use all sorts of yarns mm. but if you give me a choice I would be using um, breed specific British breed yeah. um, but I don't always want it to just be undyed you know I do I do like yeah. to see it dyed up as well yeah. I love mixing the two together yes because it really as brings out the natural so this is our Jacob yarn it's lovely which I just I it's, just love it so it's much very soft to handle it um, is, and it's even softer once it's been knitted up. Yeah. Um, so the story behind this is a friend of a friend is a sheep farmer. As so often happens. As so often <laughs> happens. 
in Worcestershire, in the Malvern Hills, absolutely stunning scenery. Yeah. And he does all of his farming by hand and by horse. So really intensive, but environmentally yeah. sustainable farming. Okay. Um, and the sheep are hand sheared. And um, we had the fleece and I hand sorted it. Which is interesting on a Jacob. That yeah, because um, the Jacob fleece, it's huge. Yeah. It's about two kilos worth of fleece. Um, so just having some space to lay it out and have a good look at it is a thing, especially with the boat. Yeah. Um, but it's white with big brown splodges. Splodges, yeah. Splodges, that's yeah. the word, it is, isn't yeah, it? Splodge. splodge sheep. Yeah. yeah. So um, what traditionally gets done with Jacob, I think they have five recognised colours in the Jacob uh, fleece. Yeah. Um, but typically three. There's white, there's brown, and then you've got your in-between colour. And what we've got spun up is mostly white with some of the brown and it makes this what is it is it gray or is it is it grayish i think it's <laughs> grayish <laughs> a slight aside but um, a, um another vlogger that i love is called um rosina she's got the zines and rogers podcast and she's great at making up names for stuff <laughs> so instead of you know everybody talks about grello she she's got grustard <laughs> oh grustard gray and mustard oh it's crustard. yeah so that's yeah so beige grey well it's it's a lovely natural colour anyway and then um and when you paid it with the dyed yes it just goes so well and the whole range is really designed to work together yeah with the sort of colours that are sympathetic to the landscape of yeah, the, the header tones and yeah you've kind of like as you say you've got gorse so what are they all called? You've got gorse, okay. the undyed. Gorse, natural, heather, cornflower and yeah. fern. Yeah, yeah that's that real cornflower. It really is. It's all of yeah. those things. Yeah, so. Yeah, perfectly named. That's it. Very it's much. lovely and soft. It is. If you like wool, or actually I should say, if you haven't tried it, you really should. It's such a wonderful, it's, it's got a real kind of crunchy but still soft yeah feel to it and you've done all of that yourself so that's not you're not buying in from a bulk supplier no um so how many kilos did you have taken to the mill 20. and then how many do you get back approximately half yeah we had a um that was part of the problem of the hand shearing process unfortunately is that you get a lot of second cuts the farmers or shepherd the his focus is on making sure his sheep are nicely shorn and then yeah. they're not too hot and whatnot um but sometimes you get the short fibers where they've gone over it again that ends up as waste in the spinning process yeah yeah which is a sh it's a shame that so much of that is left out but it's it's worth bearing in mind for people when they you know sometimes people question the cost of wool I and mean, when you think that, you know, 50% of it disappears before you've even got it back as a product mm. that you can sell on. Yeah. 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 It's, wor it's worth paying. And it's taken the sheep a year to grow it. Yeah. 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 And it will last you a lifetime. Yeah. I mean, this is going to, and you can, that, that's going to wear like iron. This, I will have this hat for the rest of my life. Yeah. Me. Unless I drop it in the canal <laughs> <laughs> or it blows off my head. Because <laughs> I guess lots of people would look at your lifestyle and think, you're undying such a lovely occupation <laughs> and you live on the boat and what a lovely but actually it's a it's a tough life isn't it it's not, it's a physical it's a, life yeah yeah um even dying is physical you know you're standing up you're on your feet all day yeah doing it and the my processes especially for the variegated yarns like the um squirrels yarn <laughs> the amazing indian <laughs> it should be called the amazing indian giant squirrel <laughs> <laughs> have to do really tiny hand with yeah um those yarns take a long time to yeah. dye. It's not just a one, you know, one dip because process. Because it's layered upon layer it's upon layer. The colours are layered up, so obviously that takes time. So um, a dye day when I'm preparing sh for a show is it's ten hours long. And how many hundred gram skeins can you dye in a day? Um. 
So I know that people are genuinely interested yeah. in the process and how much you can get through and how much it takes to gear up to a show like Yarndale, which is quite a big show in the UK. It's, pro- it's probably one of the biggest. Yeah. That and maybe Edinburgh and Wonderwall. Yeah. Um, probably, well, about 30, a little over 30 would be like a, um, it depends what I'm doing. If yeah. I'm doing variegated um, colours, then I can, uh, 30, around 30, 32 is yeah. my limit for the day. Um, if it's the solid colours, um, they have a few less layers. I still layer them up. Yeah. Uh, even the mini skeins have layers yeah. to get that, you can, that color That's depth. how you do it, yeah. Um, it's not just a bit of dye in a pan. There's real technique to what you've got. You can tell. <laughs> yeah. So the solid colors, they can get a bit more done. But um, yeah, it takes a long time. So gearing up for Yarndale was a real major undertaking. Yeah. Um, also, we have limitations with water. Yeah. Um, we have we're sitting on top of our water tank you said is it 300 litres i don't actually know what the capacity is that's what marcus said and one he's precision german (laughs) engineer i'm going to trust him and go with 300 litres i can i can tell you the capacity in time yeah which is if we're not dying and we're using it for everyday life stuff like showers and washing up and cooking it lasts us for about three weeks yeah if we're doing intensive dyeing, then it lasts for us about a week. Yeah. But honestly, at the five-day mark, I'm getting nervous. Yeah. <laughs> and I have had dye days where I've had to stop and move the boats and <laughs> fill up with water so that I can carry on. Which is another intricacy, I guess, of living on the canal, is that you still have to have access to amenities. You've got an Etsy shop and you have to yeah. fulfil orders. Yeah. You need to be in a place, I guess, where you can pick up Wi-Fi. Yeah. Have you got that map? You know, on your canal map, do you also map out where you've got good and bad Wi-Fi, or did, has somebody else done that for you? No, that they they've told us where all the pubs are. Yeah. <laughs> so I guess that's why Wi-Fi <laughs> but, pub. Yeah. Um, right in the beginning of boating, I actually switched network provider yeah. um, to one that I had better coverage with, <clears throat> because that's all we have is for our internet connection yeah. is through our mobile data. Um, so. We have had days where we've been moored somewhere absolutely beautiful, but I have been stood outside yeah. of the boat trying to get a signal. I have to say, this area that we're in at the moment is particularly poor. We have, we have it's to quite have patchy here, conversations yeah. outside of our house. We have to stand in the garden yeah. to take a mobile phone. Signal. Yeah, before we moved um, from where we were before Yarndale, yeah. um, that was a stand outside if you want to have a telephone conversation. Yeah. <laughs> so all, all these little things do make it, uh, it's extra levels of complexity to the job that you do Yeah, your so business. you can try and create a die schedule for a show, yeah. like I want to take X, Y, Z to Yarndale and I've got a rough idea of how long that's going to take me, but I also have to factor in, at some point I'm going to need water. There are restrictions on how long we're allowed to stay in certain places. So the reason our boat was not near the car when we came back from Yarndale was because previously we'd been in a 48 hour mooring. Right. And the 48 hour moorings are like dead convenient places. And that's why they're popular, popular, and that's yeah. why they're restricted. The, the honeypots and yeah. spots, yeah. You know, the really um, places of historical interest or yeah. places near shops and pubs and so things the like that. the amenities are there, yeah. Yeah. So that's where we were, and that's where we loaded up the car. Yeah. And then, but we couldn't leave it there. <laughs> well, I, I papped it out on Instagram last night and said that I was coming to do this, and you, yeah. you did the same. And we had some questions come in. So... Um, jo, who is Feather and Threads, she would like to know how living on the water and the different locations, how they influence your creativity. Okay. Or do they influence your... They must do because they do. you call them by canal names. Yeah, that's true. Parts. That's a very obvious example. Um, but I don't think you can help but be influenced by your environment. And... Um, I mean, we've talked about the earthy colours, and uh, you can see what I'm looking at out yeah. of my window, but the scenery changes. So we see, you know, the British countryside through all the seasons. And actually, at 
almost at a ground level. At that's ground the thing level. that's really interesting is yeah. we're quite far down on the canal. Um, if a dog goes by, I'm eye level with the dog, and yeah. you are when we're sat inside mm. as well. Yeah. In fact, control- we're slightly higher up at the moment, aren't yeah. we, than, w- than we would be inside. It's almost like you're right in at nature, and you've got a, yeah. a bug's eye view. Oh, yeah. It's, yeah. it's almost like that. It's Maybe a duck's eye view. Duck's eye view, mm. but it's almost in minutiae because you're so close to it when yeah. you go past it. Yeah. You don't get the big vistas in the same way. You're not sometimes you do yeah. it depends a little bit on the water level as to how high the boat's sitting com- in comparison to the uh, landscape around you yeah um some of my favorite mooring spots are where you can just see for miles yeah um they tend to be a bit windy as well which is not so nice the boat banging against the yeah. side but um let me show you some examples of things that have been very directly inspired that me. Oh, i know this is a crochet podcast but quite, quite a lot of our guys um, do both. They are they are crocheters, yeah. but they are yarn enthusiasts. Yeah. Um, there is, I'm pleased to say, finally a bit of a move from dyers towards understanding that crocheters do also like nice yarn. Yes. And quite, Yarndale is a very good show for having more crochet content. I've noticed that. I quite that. different from many other yarn yeah, shows, um, yeah. and slowly but slowly we're we're seeping in. We're yeah, we're we're sharp elbowing our way <laughs> onto the scene. <laughs> well, I think it's richer for it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So apologies for having knitting on your crochet. But you are predominantly a knitter. I am. Yeah. Yeah. I can crochet, but knitting is my it's your, it's, it's your my thing. comfort yeah. zone. Um, so Woolly Wormhead's latest hat collection. Yes. Uh, this is Toff, which is the Earth. Um, they're the elementals. Let me see yeah. that on the camera. Yeah. Okay. So um, I knitted that with some of my most recent colourways. Um, beautiful. So it's um, the hat has got leaves and stems going up towards yeah. the crown of the hat and it's just it's done in two colourways. Yeah, it's done in the green which is called Topaz. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it you know I mean you can I might see. have to take a I'll take a photo and I'll pop it up in the show notes, but the green is the colour of the grass and the towpath which is directly to my left. Yeah. yeah, and it's just that sort of turning of autumn when the leaves start to curl and go yeah. brown. I mean, that's very, very obvious yeah. inspiration. And it's got a canali name as well. And this is, it's really, it's complementing one. And this is Home is Where the Hearth is. Lovely. So it's that kind of chestnut-y, warm, very autumn. Yeah. Just time to put the fire on. Yeah, winter's coming. Start preparing for it. Yeah, yeah, it's very beautiful. That's that one. So there's some very obvious yeah. uh, inspirations, but we're not always in the countryside. No. Sometimes we're in um, we're in cities or towns, and the thing about the canals, obviously the history of them, is that it was built for industry. Yeah. So we when we travel around we see a lot of old industry we see a lot of current industry but you know we're um, being in Staffordshire you go past old um, potteries and things like that all the old kilns all All the the, the bottle kilns yeah Yeah, and the same in um, Stoke-on-Trent yeah which we're not far from I I guess you get to see things that not not normal people but people that aren't on a boat don't get to see because you they don't really have access do. to it. Yeah, and I mean, you you do have access in that the towpath runs everywhere mm. on the canal and there is, um, as boat as we think of the canal as being interspersed with bridges, but yeah. for um, non-boaters, your bridge, you know, passes over the canal and you can, unless it's a motorway bridge, um, you can always you can get access. onto the towpath from, yeah. from the bridge. Um, and yeah so but you're right we see you around the back of lots of things so we see all these bits of industry as well and so this is stoke so this is one of the ones that i'm using yeah it's beautiful and it's just that kind of the the brickwork and the 
you know, the ironwork and things that we saw when we went through Stoke-on-Trent last year, and we'll be going back through there in the next, yeah. uh, in this week, yeah. if all goes to plan. <laughs> so I was thinking it could have been Stoke, I guessed it probably was Stoke as in Stoke-on-Trent, but I it thought was. it could have been fire stalking as well. It's got that kind of charcoal yeah. look to it as well, and I left it deliberately. Yeah. I was thinking when it's, you know when it's, the you're going and it's just burnt down yeah. and you've got that grey coming off on the charcoal and that's when you need to yeah, give it a stoke which is completely a, a boat type image as yeah, well with is, the yeah. fire in the winter yeah 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 so there we have stoke as well another one inspired by our our day-to-day life yeah yeah it's lovely mm-hmm. um and then Craig, who is Craig's Crochet Creations, he he's um I know where he lives so I won't say that, but he lives in a small flat and he was wondering how you manage to cope with the space when you're dyeing lots of yarn. Um we don't <laughs> <laughs> No we do, obviously we do. Um so I do the dyeing in the kitchen. Um if you're in a small flat, lots of people who live in small flats have said Oh, my kitchen's about the same size as yours. Yeah. So, um, it, you know, um, my processes are really rigorous yeah. to keep that flow of material from raw or, you know, undyed product into a finished skein, which can then be packed away. And yeah. I think lots of people who are enthusiastic about yarn know just how much they can squeeze into small spaces yes. so that they don't get found out. That's so true. Storage is not so much of an issue. Um, we try to keep a high turnover of stock, yeah. um, being engineers and, and um, people who've worked in corporate world, we know stuff about, you know, keeping uh, appropriate levels of stock. Yeah. Um, but the actual process itself, so very, very rigorous. Um, we have a bit of a bottleneck with drying the yarn. Um, it takes you've a long done dyeing, so you know it? how. Yeah. And wool is such a fantastic material because of how much moisture it holds. Yeah. So instead of, say, um, if you had a scarf made from acrylic or cotton, they will just um, let the moisture sit against your skin and make you feel very cold and yeah. shivery. Or, likewise, if you get warm on your walk, they will just let the sweat stay at your skin and yeah. make you feel horrible and prickly. Um, wool will actually lock it away and that's why it stays warm even if you're out getting rained on yeah. or something and that's why it's such a fabulous material but unfortunately it takes a long time to dry. Yes. <laughs> so my, the skins I dyed on Friday are only just dry now and that's been inside my house mm. we've just clicked the heating on. And it, yeah, they've only just dried out. Yeah, so um, what we what we mostly like to do is dry the yarn outside. Yeah. Um, I love this idea of, you know, skins of yarn wafting <laughs> as you gently breeze down the canal. <laughs> so um, we hang it, um, the boat has handrails the, all the way along its length because yeah. you can walk. Along. This is called the gunnels, a bit of boat terminology. Yep. This is the gunnels and you can walk all the way along the boat on the gunnels. And it's about... It's about ten. a foot width. It's a skinny ten, foot width. A very skinny <laughs> foot width. Yeah. It's, it's not a massive amount of foot space, but you have to hold on at the top, don't you? It's, yeah, so there's a handrail yeah. at the top. And um, we've got lots of S-shaped hooks. Um, I did see many S-hooks. Did you see them inside? <laughs> yeah, lots yeah. Of them. <laughs> they're really useful for shows as well, yeah. actually. Yeah, they are. Yeah. Um, Although, if you ever, top tip, if anybody ever thinks about vending for Wonder Wheel wheels, um, you need the really, really big ones, mm. the proper big butcher's ones, to go yeah. up and over the shell stands. Okay, little little S hooks do not mm. cut the mustard. Of We've got a whales. few different sizes. Yeah, you need the biggest you can get your yeah. paws on. <laughs> um, so yeah, and we just we hang the yarn um, outside, and it's great because you get the breeze on yeah. it. But also when the sun shines, it warms up the side of the boat. So it's actually getting warmed from sort of the inside, and yeah. then it's getting and we flip it round and turn it round and stuff yeah. like that. Um, when the weather's not good, 
Um, sometimes if we're really trying to get through a lot we put a parasol up on the back so we can still take advantage yeah. of the sort of the air move yeah, air which is what takes the moisture away yeah. yeah and and we let it do its drip drying yeah um, where it's really dripping wet and we let it do that outside and then we bring it into the warm environment because it does need warmth to dry it properly and yeah. um, so in the winter it gets a lot of hanging by the fire and you are also, you've got solar panels? We have solar panels. For electricity in yeah. your, is it coal and wood that you use? Yeah, our stove takes wood and coal. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's that lovely dry warmth. Yeah. Um, that which you get is perfect stove, for drying which stuff Which is perfect. Like, like yarn, yeah. Um, even on a day like today, say if it was raining today, it's not cold, is it? No. No. But I'm pleased I've got my woolly jumper on, but yeah. I'm not. I don't have a jacket on. I'm just. Yeah, I'm just, I'm, nice I'm just and warm, I'm happy toasty. with my with my shawl. We've both got we've got our, around us. Yeah. We're very happy. <laughs> um, but once it starts raining, of course the air gets damp. So we yeah. might have the fire on, but we can leave all the doors and windows open. And then it's not too hot for us. Yeah. But it's drying the yarn nicely. Yeah. So if anybody ever buys yarn from us and it smells of wood smoke, I'm very sorry, but it must have been oh, a bad so weather day. Like, that's, that's a nice thing, isn't it? That when they get the parcel through from you, they've placed an order. They smell more than sheep and and. Do you, I don't see your yarn. No, I don't think it does. And a lot of it because it does eventually just air no, out. That's got a sheep. Undertone of sheep, definitely. But the idea of it smelling of wood smoke and then you can place it and say oh, it must have been a bad drying day. I, I really <laughs> like that, that's nice. Yeah, so that's one of the challenges. Um, we've talked about water a little bit, haven't we? Yeah, and then also you've got different dye pans. So you've got cooking pans. Yeah. And dye, So that's another, not layer of complexity, but storage in... Yeah, that's a good point actually. Because um, we don't use the same pans for dyeing as for cooking and um they're big yeah, big they pans. Are big. you could make an awesome stew like, in our dye pan. i have got a massive set of pans yeah and yours make mine look puny and i do batch cook, so i batch cook everything yeah um but yours make mine look they're they're wanting they're left wanting basically <laughs> <laughs> well i can tell you where i got them from yes please <laughs> um but yeah i mean we've talked about the size of the kitchen and I'll just describe it for people. Um, so we have a central walkway and on the right hand side I have the um, the sink and the draining board which is obviously important and then a worktop which has the hob at the other end and then on the left hand side I've got well the, the fridge is freestanding and then I've got another shorter piece of worktop and then I've got some shelving on the bulkhead on, on the wall yeah. on the part of the wall which doesn't slope in but the dividing wall between the kitchen and the next part of the boat yeah. um, so that piece on the left hand side with um, the shorter piece of worktop and the shelving that is my dye space yeah. and that's where I keep the dyes and where I keep the pans and that's separate from our food yeah. space. I use the other worktop when I'm dyeing but it's always like okay we're done with food things now, Yeah. wipe the surfaces, no, no, it's move a dye the things, space. now it's dye space and then when I'm done with the dye space it's like okay we're back to food space now wipe all the surfaces back down yeah and put the dye things make sure everything's over um, and on we, the other side yeah I, I wonder if having less space sometimes can actually be a benefit because I always think the more space you've got the more space you occupy whereas you can keep it tight and precise if you only have that space to operate in yeah um, you just become a little bit smarter about your processes and when you put something down you're more likely to know what it is that's quite nice we actually have hello hiya <laughs> hiya i did what that's our first boat i thought we would have one. Oh yeah it is yeah. isn't it yeah. yeah so you might get a little more wash and a few yeah, more yeah we're bands. moving yeah. around now there we go that was a good that was a proper wobble yeah. We're on a boat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean I'm naturally a horrendously messy person. <laughs> um so boat life suits me really well because it forces me to have some semblance of order. Yeah. Yeah. Flick 
is wondering how you convert from yarn down back to family life on the boat. So we've talked a little about that with the um, with the kitchen setup. Is there anything else that you have to do, or and is your son is Bryn used to just being like dodging in around? I loved it. So we had a cup of coffee before we started the interview, and Bryn has got his own little cubby hole of his um, minis that he his has that he can smell and was passing to me very lovingly, <laughs> and they're very definitely his. So he's grown up with this, but does you know does he just work around what is family life and yarn is just part of that life? Yeah, I think that's fair to say. Obviously, with the space limitation, um, when we are dyeing a lot of stock and drying and sorting out yarn, once it's dry or it's nearly dry and it's it's brought inside, and um, we're lucky to have quite a lot of windows. Yes, there, which means that we've got lots of curtain poles. Uh-huh, again, and those S hooks coming yes. together again. Immediate hangings. So we have we have yarn curtains quite a lot of the time. <laughs> I like that. And um, draw the curtains. <laughs> and yeah, everybody has to kind of live with it. Yeah. Um, and yeah, he has his minis. They're um, they're my development um, skeins from the he's, he's grid of sixty of, yeah, colours. He's got all of your one of a kinds. But it's great because if we're skeining up and you really can't have him playing with it. Yeah. Um, then we just redirect him to where are Brin's mini skeins, yeah. <laughs> and he he gets his out then. Yeah, yeah. And, and he has an appreciation for it as well, which is oh, nice. definitely. Yeah, yeah. he's, he's already doing down. the sticking knitting needles into yarn and things like that. So I just need to make sure he's got a crochet hook as well. Yeah, <laughs> there are a few crochet hooks on the boat too. <laughs> Um, and then somebody who came from your Instagram feed is on your bike, Summerton, and she's, I like this question, she says, what do you do with all of your yarny goodness when your boat has to be lifted out of the water or repainted? Have you ever had to have it lifted out? Yeah. So one, what do you have to have it lifted out for? General maintenance or? It's a general maintenance task, it's hull blacking. Right. So the boat is made of st- steel, and it's sitting in water so yeah. obviously corrosion happens over time and one thing you have to do periodically about every three years is to have the boat craned out of the water and have it all um, have the hull and the hull is the point from kind of well where the cabin well, it's hard to describe but from the gunnels downwards is yeah. what we call the okay. hull really um and right the way around the boat and the whole the whole underneath thing. yeah and underneath so yeah. like my non-tech the floaty bit the floaty it's all bit. floating but but the bit that's more likely to be submerged the, the bit that is the recognizable boat bit yeah. a- anything above here is what we call the cabin okay yeah so um yeah so that has to come out of the water every uh, roughly every three years and all the um it's basically bitumen uh, paint yeah. that goes on and it has to be scraped back um and redone and we have anodes on the uh, on the side as well they're like um sacrificial they're a metal that corrodes more easily yeah. and you have to have those checked because they get eaten away over the years as well um so the last time we had it done um, we were only just starting out yeah so I can't I don't suppose we actually had very much on board do you have to take your stuff off so if you were to because you must be coming up for one then shortly if you we are it. next yeah. year is the next time we is need it? to have oh, it done MOT. yeah um, it's there are different ways of doing it the task actually only takes a few days you have yeah. to have it craned out um, which doesn't take that long but you have to have it booked in and then um, they do, or you do, the actual painting work, and then it has to be left to cure. Yeah. Um, so some boatyards will only crane it out and do the the whole blacking, but some of them let you stay in your boat, that, even that though it's out of the water. Is, that must be so bizarre. Yeah, some boaters that we know have gone with that, because yeah. their boat is their only home. They can't just go. Uh, go. Um, yeah. and they say it's the most weird thing because you get used to when you walk down the boat that it sways a little yeah, bit yeah you've got a slight misstep or yeah yeah um and it's it's not like that it's solid and it must sound mm. different as well yes yeah so and even the temperature must be different must be yeah yeah <laughs> so well you'll have to report back and let us know yeah what so i think i don't know um but it's it's only for a few days 
so I don't think we'll need to cart all our stuff off or anything like that. We'll no. just plan it in. We'll have a holiday. Possibly. Or just do it right after a yarn show. Yeah. When you've sold out and then yeah. be ready to gear up for the next one once the hull has been blackened. Yeah. <laughs> Great question. <laughs> it's good, isn't it? And it's, again, it's one of those intricacies. I guess it's what makes this such, um, in part, such an interesting thing is because your lifestyle is so different mm. and lots of people will be intrigued by this and mm. not just to hear about the dying but actually how you marry the two things together yeah it's, it's really i've learned a lot <laughs> <laughs> so coming out of yarn deal lots of people will have asked you for your business card yeah um how when do you then see the impact of that of doing a show for people that maybe didn't buy from you straight away almost immediately yeah so you're you're going to be post officing this week so your next load of orders are going out yeah we haven't opened the shop back up yet yeah. um yeah, we talked about the logistics of unloading the car yeah so i've only just counted all the stock again so <coughs> we need to um want to get the shop shop back online um we we go to the post office once every one or two days. Yeah. Um, we're really hot on sending yarn out, and I don't ever want people to think that because we're on a on a boat or doing that something slightly yeah. weird that we're not going to follow up on yeah. you know great customer service. Yeah. If I ha- have an impulse purchase of yarn on the internet, you I want, want it. it now, <laughs> and I get that. So yeah. we really try hard to send things out. We say on our website, we say uh, one to two business days. Yeah. But. Um, <coughs> Sometimes it's better than that if the order comes through in the morning and we're planning to go to the sense, yeah. to the post office in the afternoon. We'll send it out. So yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's good. And I guess with the advent of other um, other delivery systems as well, that that's a potential. I use my Hermes as well as the post office okay, yeah. because sometimes I can just get things there more quickly with my Hermes and cheaper to the customer as well. Yes. And but as you've said, the way that the canals have grown up and in industry and then habitats have formed around the canals actually yeah. lots of amenity amenities are by the canals anyway so post offices yeah generally you know. there's not one far away and um if we are a little bit far away we don't we don't mind because it's a it's a reason to get out of the boat yeah and it's a reason yes and it's a reason to go and explore the place that we've moored up in yes. Yes. so then question though because you've said that you buy yarn where do you get your yarn sent to? We get us, we get our yarn sent to Northampton. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, so you've still got like a little hub. There's still we a have place. a hub. Um, I grew up in Northampton, and I met Marcus in Northampton, and he has a flat there. Yeah. Um, it's rented out now, so we can't. Um, but it's it's handy because it's in one of those big old houses. Yeah. So it's got a proper entrance hallway. So um, if we we still have things delivered there, and we can just let ourselves in just the entrance hallway oh, and pick helpful. them up. Yeah. Except it's invariably a massive box of yarn. yarn. <laughs> and then we have to go knocking on the neighbours and saying, we are so sorry. It might have been there for days. <laughs> and they say, it's fine, it's not a problem. But yeah. And then following on from that then, because you do, you do buy other people's yarn as well, mm-hmm. who, do you, who do you buy? Who do you like as a yarn dyer? So um, when I'm looking at other yarns, um, we've talked about wool. Yeah. So I'm looking at people who are using interesting bases and other British breeds and things yeah. like that. And again, I'm looking at their colours and we've talked about colour palettes and things that are wearable yeah. and can be put together really well. So at um, Yarndale, I came away with some gorgeous gorgeous Eden Cottage yeah. and uh, it's just utterly jewel worthy. And I'm sure some of you will be aware of Eden Cottage yarns and what Victoria does but she's got such a subtle light colour palette I've picked up this um, kind of it's a pale pinky brownies and like you can't quite pinpoint yeah, what the colour is lots that's, of stuff how, in there. Yeah. that's how subtle it is 
and I just you know I have tremendous respect for somebody whose yarn is technically so well well dyed it's yeah. really really good I mean for me that's like expert level and I'm getting I, I'm working towards this you know yeah um so yeah the color palette needs to appeal and um yeah, I mean, I'm just as likely to be a customer as someone like Blacker Yarn or Sheepfold people who are really serious about getting um, proper sheepy, yeah. single uh, breed-specific yeah. yarns. Um, midwinter is key. Yeah, yeah, midwinter yarns is another one. Um, lots of Scandinavian yarns. I've, I I bought some Gotland from them. And I, I got some of their Lithuanian linen for a few And that's bit. caught yeah. my eye. Yeah, that really has caught yeah, my eye. It's beautiful. Yeah. So yeah, that's what I look for yeah. in in other yarn sellers. Yeah. So you're drawn not just to the colour, but it's the provenance, the ethics and the the complexity of the dye behind it, the the technical capabilities of the dyer. Yeah, I, I want to be able to look at it and go, mm, I'm not even sure how you did that. Yeah. <laughs> that. That must be interesting from a yarn dyer's point of view. Very interesting. Think, have you managed that? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's very interesting. <laughs> and it's not you're not looking at it to copy it, it's out of respect, isn't it? Absolutely. It's just like, that, that's a masterpiece. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's pure admiration. Mm. <laughs> yeah. um, so I know that you, you knit and you crochet so spinning wheel inside mm -hmm. do you do any other crafts as well um craft wise craft wise no but we also play music yes you do <laughs> so what's the name of your band das boaty mcboat face <laughs> i was trying to remember to tell i was like it's something really clever and it's got boaty mcboat face but it's cleverer than that <laughs> yes which is great because, well, I'll let you explain. I, I get it, but... Okay, so um, I'm just going to shout out to my mad friend, Emma Heath, and she's Little Knits. Uh, mad, well, knitting and crochet friend. Yeah. Um, but we were banding about names, and it was at the time of the whole Boaty McBoatface <laughs> thing in the news. And... Um, and yeah, we were coming up with names, and then of course, with Marcus being German, German? Emma just went, Das Boaty McBoatface! And I just thought, yeah, like. Yeah, that is, that's the name. Yeah, life's too short to take yourself seriously, <laughs> so we're Das Boaty McBoatface. <laughs> the other thing that I wanted to talk to you about is something that you've done in conjunction with your friend who I also met at Yarn Deal, yeah. you, who was just lovely and really, she is absolutely really lovely. enjoyed talking <laughs> with her and she does leather work and she's done some amazing project bags for you and this is one of the things that I really love about this industry is the amount of collaboration that you get yeah. and where you can get mixed media products and somebody who maybe doesn't do yarn but does something else and can still bring something to the party and just the crossover that you can get is fabulous. Yeah. It's, um, it was a really, really lovely thing. I mean, Nu is an absolutely fanatical knitter yeah. <laughs> and a crafter. And um, her designs are beautiful. I was she has some designs yesterday. out as well. Mm. Um, if As you, do you though, we haven't discussed that. Yeah, no, I have a few. Um, if you follow me on social media, Facebook and Instagram, I will be pushing news designs because yeah. they, they are really something. The, the shawl that she had on at Yarndale, the leaf shawl, mm. I think she got a lot of love for that and it's really beautiful and yeah. really quite unusual. It is a really unique design, Yeah, really unique and she's had it for about five years and when I saw it I was like, you have to you have to get that, that out. You really do. I think she's is she working on it now. She's she is, and good. I'm going to test knit it for her. Brilliant. Yeah. She needs another test knitter. <laughs> I'm not quite sure when I'll fit that in with everything else, but yeah, I would happily test knit yeah. that one for now, her. The other thing about New is that she is a really talented leather worker. Yeah. Really hard working as well. Yeah, and she does all sorts. But um, I can't remember how it came about, but suddenly the idea that project bags and leather was a match. Yeah. Um, you know, I knit quite a lot of socks and the tiny sharp needles always work their way yeah. out of my project bag and stab me in the face. <laughs> <laughs> Whereas it's not going to happen no. with this. Um, and this is such soft 
leather. It's I mean, I've, I've used it for a while now and it's softening up so beautifully. Yeah. Um, it was my 30th birthday this year and this was my present from Marcus commissioned this from New. Nice. But she's been doing some for us and that's one of my jobs um, is to get some listed in our shop. Yeah. We have them at Yarndale, you saw yeah. those. Um, we're definitely well received as well. Yeah, we're definitely going to be continuing with that. And what I liked about um, New is that she also understands the provenance of yes. her leather and where all of the bits and pieces come from. All of her leather is British yeah. leather, again, um, you know, seriously high quality. Mm. I'm um, actually hoping that she, um, we were emailing each other back and forth last night and that she might be doing some bits and pieces for me as well because... You know, sometimes you just come across people and you're like, yes, you understand what I'm trying to do. You, yeah. It's not about quantity, it's about the quality and understanding where it's coming from. So, yeah, I'm, I'm so chuffed to have finally found a leather worker that is working within the same constraints that I am. Yeah. It's really good. And what I will say is, obviously, we have pre-made bags um, that I'll be putting in the shop and that we'll be taking to shows. Yeah. But if you ever, I mean, we don't have ones at this size. Um, I thought perhaps the cost might be prohibitive, but a lot of people really ood and ard over yeah. this. Um, so what I would say is absolutely get in touch. If you want something a little bit different or a different size or whatever, just don't hesitate to get in touch. And new, new can, can do it. Sort, yeah. She can do it. New can do. New can do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I can vouch for her. Her craftsmanship is incredible. Yeah, it really is. And the leather. And she is really just cares about it. Yeah, she yeah. does. She does. Yeah, so she was yeah, she was a, a gem of a find. You both were <laughs> It's been brilliant. Thank you very much, both of you, for you can you you need to put your head Come out. Back. <laughs> Come back. Come back. He's asleep. He's asleep. It's all well yeah. done. <laughs> Despicable me knocked him out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's been really fabulous. Thank you very much for spending time and letting me come and, Thank and you. interview. Thank you, you for coming on the boat. Yeah, yeah. it's really lovely. Yeah, nice day. Yeah, oh. I was expecting yeah. um, more overcast, and it's just, it's just yeah. really lovely. This is good boating weather, actually. Yeah, not yeah. too hot, not yeah. really. Yeah, just enough of a breeze. But it's been really lovely having oh, you. Thank you. It's Talking really about yarny things and woolly things. It's always things. nice, isn't it? Yeah. And then you you have a forever until the day that it stops. Um, invite to come to Wool Gathering Sandbatch whenever you're on the canal. Every oh, other you, Thursday, yeah. just come along and oh, sure, and craft yeah. with us. Yeah, that would we're, be we're a good bunch. And we have um, the cake tin of doom, so somebody has to bring the cake tin filled with goodies. Mm. Um, every every time we have a gathering, she always gets something nice to eat. So. Oh, that sounds very tempting. Mm. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Thank you very much. Yeah, thank it's you. a it's a Northamptonshire Morris tune with a little das boaty twist. Yep. <laughs> okay.
think that needs to be the intro music for the interview. Yeah. The intro oh, and the outro. <laughs> I would never yeah. know. <laughs> it must be interesting, um, like playing out here and having passers by. And, yeah. yeah. You Do you ever get people just jigging outside? That would be me if Matthew well, and I were here. Was, um, people either slow down or stop sometimes. Yeah. And, yeah. But you definitely drove this fellow out of his boat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let's play one more and then we look after the and we we'll um. get ready. Okay, how about um I've got some frog. Uh let's do um the Finnish Shottish and the Serbian Oh yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. so this is a bit more European, so it's um European. it's a Scandinavian thingy followed by a French thingy. T- uh, technical thingy. Very technical yeah. focus <laughs> terminology. Well it's very nice. <laughs> it's very nice, yeah. <clears throat>
beautiful. It's really lovely. Thank you.